0: Hello, everybody. Thank you once again for listening to another episode of Supporting the Podcast. Um, On today's episode, we have Vinny Caruana, a New York punk rock legend, um, obviously known for fronting the movie life in I Am The Avalanche. Highly recommend checking out the new I Am The Avalanche record. Uh, It's fantastic. And Vinny's latest solo release, which was a live recording of his London show in December 2019, which is fantastic. Uh, Thanks to Vinny once again for coming on was so nice to talk to him and uh, very intriguing as well some very entertaining stories and just the guy who's very very obviously clued up and very experienced within the genre and it was really really great to chat to him thank you to him once again for coming on and i hope you enjoy the episode hope everybody's keeping well and thanks once again for listening peace okay it's
1: cool it's cool with me
0: how you yep. doing man yeah i'm pretty good mate how about yourself
1: yeah i've had a good day Oh, yeah. What have you been up to? Um, I'm in Florida at the moment. I'm not sure if you're aware of my situation at the moment.
0: No, explain, explain. What's going on? Uh, I've been living
1: in Miami Beach for the last, like, seven weeks, maybe. Oh, okay. Um, Why? My, wi- uh, my wife works in the restaurant and hotel kind of hospitality industry, and yeah. she transferred down here Um, because nothing's going on in New York like that you know all the restaurants and bars are closed and stuff so yeah we came down here and following the work and uh I can get my stuff done from down here so it's really cool like it's 80 degrees today (laughs) Uh, (laughs) yeah for sure that's so sick yeah uh, yeah so I've been to the I've been hanging around bouncing around Miami you know kind of staying away from people, but also kind of enjoying the
0: weather and
1: the the beach and the nature and all that stuff. So it's cool.
0: Yeah, that's cool, man. Sounds like a very a nice, relaxed change of pace for you, mate, for sure, man. Uh, it sounds like a, a pretty good way to spend a winter like this one, especially.
1: Yeah, it's been a real blessing. It's been cool.
0: Yeah, I went there once to Miami. It was good, man. The sky was, um, yeah, it was one of the nicest things I've ever seen. The people were were very strange, though, man. Some very cooked individuals walking around. But it was a nice time.
1: Were you in Miami Beach or Miami in the city, like Miami?
0: Like the and I went down to Key Largo at the very oh, moment. cool. Oh, yeah, cool. that was some nice stuff, man. I very much enjoyed that.
1: Well, yeah, I've really enjoyed the city. It's it's been it's been good. It's better than sitting at home in New York with nothing to do, and yeah. you know, even even. Till like I go and take a walk or something. It's cold. It's not nice to go outside. So yeah, um, we'll take it.
0: Yeah, for sure, man. It's like that here at the minute, mate. It's like minus two today in England. It's not not good. Where are you? I'm in Birmingham, right in the middle.
1: Hmm. I've been there a few times.
0: Yeah, it's it's okay, man. Not <laughs> <up there. laughs> some people hate it. Some people love it. it. All depends. No, I've had some. I've had a lot of fun in Birmingham. So I wanted to start by asking the question so I first actually heard of you and the movie life from listening to The Wonder Years when I was younger when they referenced Kelly's song in one of their songs oh wow it, yeah yeah um, how does it feel knowing that your work um, and the band's early records really influenced the later generation of pop punk um, I
1: think I mean I can think back to the bands that influenced me or at least the bands that like I, I loved growing up and that kind of made their mark on me like that Mm. um so you know to i did realize how important those bands are to me um and to be that for uh for anyone <laughs> let alone like bands that are traveling around the world like making some you know doing some really cool shit like yeah it's pretty special it makes me feel you know i'm honored it's it's the work that we did, all the touring we did and all the different bands and all the projects and everything, like all that stuff, you know, got into some people's hearts and brains. And, and that's really cool. I love that a lot. And I, and I, um, that's cool. Cause a lot of, you know, there's not that many, you must be, how old are you? I'm 24, mate. Yeah. Like you're the fucking youngest movie life fan on the planet. Guaranteed. Like, <laughs> If if every Wonder Years fan, uh, you know, went and checked out the movie life because of the song that they mentioned us in, we'd have a lot more fans your age. <laughs>
0: yeah. I'm sure, man. Yeah, because when I was in like high school, secondary school, me and my friend, we were huge Wonder Years fans and then we became like massive movie life fans at the age of like 16, 17 just because wow. of
1: that. Yeah. Oh, that's really cool. I love that.
0: What's your opinion on how the sound developed and changed? Obviously, obviously, because when the movie life were coming up, it was it's it was a real like moment, and then the pop punk kind of got a revival around like twenty ten, twenty eleven, with bands like the One Dears, Man Overboard, Story So Far. What's your opinion on how the sound evolved and what it became and what it is now?
1: Uh, it's cool, like you know, I never is we didn't movie life wasn't really a pop punk kind of band in the beginning, and we yeah, kind okay. of evolved into like. I don't know. I guess we evolved into this melodic punk thing and then people were calling us pop punk. You know, we yeah. we never we never really called ourselves that. Yeah. Going back and listening to like especially um going back and listening to like movie life has a gambling problem. Like that that was pretty pop punk. Yeah. Um that was the yeah. most pop punk we got, I think. And it, it it and going back and listening to it now, like it it is. Um I can hear some of that stuff, like some of what we were doing. I can hear some of that in the bands that you mentioned. Um, and the guys that we came up with, you know, we, we had like, um, I'd say in the like melodic punk kind of world, I guess like Midtown was like our good buds. We toured with them a lot. Yeah, We rubbed off on each other for sure. Um, we definitely kind of like we were around each other so much. Um, and touring so much together that we definitely started to influence each other. So there's definitely like these midtowny things that happen on 40 hour train. Yeah. Yeah. We both like made our kind of darker records around the same time. You know what I mean? Like we matured a little bit.
0: Yeah, for sure. Um, Yeah. That is definitely a matured record. Yeah, absolutely, man.
1: And and we were touring with newfound glory and we were touring with like, you know, I'm trying to think like Goldfinger, um, real big fish, good Charlotte. Um all those you know I can hear a lot of all those bands in in a lot of the newer bands that like come into my you know listen I'm 41 years old I'm not like looking for like the next great pop punk band like I'm on yeah. my own the music I was just listening to like earlier today is just like not that I don't love that shit I, I, it's funny I had this conversation with my friend yesterday yeah where it was like he mentioned like 311, right? And and he's like, do you like 311? And I'm like, no, I don't like 311. But that's only because I didn't listen to 311 like, in high school. Yeah. You know? Um, what I'm saying is like, and what I did tell him was, every single music, every single band, every song, everything, from when I was growing up, if I liked it when I was growing up, I still like it now. Like, some of it might be nostalgic. Um. But there's no band where I'm like, oh, I'm embarrassed that I listen to them. Like I'm, yeah. I, I still love all the songs that I grew up with. To revisit music from back then is, is cool. I think I got a little off track. Sorry.
0: Might take whatever direction <laughs> you want, man. it's cool. Yeah, um, yeah, it's cool. Keep it going. Keep it going, Vinnie. Might it's all good.
1: But yeah, I can hear. I can hear like in yeah, Wonder Years Stories so far. Man overboard. Like you know, I'm pretty sure a lot of those guys were listening to myself and my peer, like our, our, my bands and our peers and shit for sure.
0: Yeah, man. Do you think time plays a huge part in it all then? And it's all people kind of connecting at the right moment. And it's all time is so important in the development of it and people connecting with it as well as the generations go on.
1: Yeah, it was going like when we, when movie life started to become a known band, like, you yeah. know, there are places than New York. Um yeah, okay, yeah. A lot was going on. Like um ourselves and glassjaw were both um were both kind of taking off at the same time. glassjaw existed before movie life, but we both ended up kind of touring with similar bands and you know, we were the Long Island guys, you know what I mean? Like yeah. other bands like um Crime and Stereo was around, they were fucking cool. Yeah, yeah. Um there was a time on Long Island where Basically, we were all going. Myself, the guys in Glass Job, um, Ting Mix Sunday, brand new. We were all in the crowd, look like going to shows as really young dudes. Yeah, yeah. going to local shows. Yeah. Um, so when we all started bands, because we were influenced by what was going on on Long Island, like the other generation before us. Yeah. Um, it's crazy how many of those bands became known worldwide like the people in the crowd for a long island hardcore show in like 1995 96 97 would be like everyone in glass everyone in brand new everyone in taking back sunday except adam adam was still in north carolina everyone in crime and stereo yeah if wow, you took like a picture man. of like the crowd you could pick out like
0: Yeah, like, guess who kind of thing. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah. find
1: your favorite, like,
0: Long Island punk rocker. Fucking top Trump cards or something, man. Yeah, that's insane, man, because a lot of those people went on to do very, like, influential records and records that hold up. And they've done, like, 10-year anniversary, 15, and records that are very timeless to fans. What... What do you think was happening in the scene at that point where where everybody took on their own ideas and then put it into their own art? We were were growing up. So like I was 17 when movie life started. I
1: just 17, yeah, 17. And um, basically we were all starting to like, with all the influence that we were drawing from all the music we were getting into local and otherwise, like, you know we just started to get confidence and we we saw a bands touring too like the, like the older guys in the scene they're going on tour and shit and then we all started being like oh yeah i want to tour so everyone just started being like that's what i want to do and at the same time we had you know the blueprint was kind of there musically too with some of the bands that we were going to see bands like silent majority mind over matter shit like that yeah um I don't know if you have ever checked out the band silent majority i would if you, you'd get a real kick out of it man all right sick. silent majority is like what like i don't think movie life would exist if it wasn't for silent majority okay cool their records are on spotify There's one's called life of a spectator you'll hear you'll hear a really
0: lot of ingredients it, there
1: yeah um So we all, you know, we all sucked when we started and then we just started getting better because we were looking at everyone around us being like, oh, we can do this. We can do this. Mm -hmm. And the next thing you know, people are making records that like, you know, we started bands not to become famous and rock stars. We just started bands to like play shows in our local towns and stuff. But like you're looking to the left and Glassjaw is doing what they're doing and you're looking to the right and like... You know, brand news doing what they're doing, and like we're just like, and like everybody, you know, I could list a million bands, but like you just start being like, "Oh, we can all do this, like this isn't brain like as long as you just stay real and write, like you know, yeah, I never wrote any songs that weren't like absolutely one hundred percent like." real stories and real emotions and so that was the thing we learned that from the elder statesmen on long island we learned how to be front men from those guys yeah we learned how to like wear our hearts on our sleeves and like i know that all that next generation in like melodic punk or whatever i know that they grew up listening to some of that shit so that's really cool because i see how successful and how much those bands like wonder years and and stories so far and all that stuff like See how much they mean to people, so and those are all nice guys too like they're all they've always been very cool and and uh easy to talk to, and easy to watch three thousand people going ape shit while they're playing you know it's fun it's I dig it and it warms my heart
0: yeah it's it's sick to say it's still happening man it's uh I hope it continues as well I hope that that connection continues to unfold as the years go on i really do because it's a it's a special time and people remember it and it like defines people man you still see like 50 year old guys pulling their socks up to their knees and that's why <laughs>
1: yeah. yeah um it's cool it'll always go on like they'll be uh, they'll be the next wave and then the next wave and that's for like everything you know like mm-hmm. not just this kind of stuff but like you know grunge like grunge will make its return and everyone will play that a jazz master and get real noisy and fuzzy and yeah hip-hop goes in circles the same way metal does the same way yeah you know metal get metal will like get real technical and real like yeah it'll it'll come come to this new level and then like it'll go it'll revert back to like thrash and then every band that's starting like goes and sees you know power Trip. And then they're just like, oh, fuck, yeah, that's what I want to do. <laughs> and all that shit goes in circles, too. So it'll yeah. do that forever. And I think it's special that, like, people are still finding, like, underground music and, and uh, yeah, you know what I mean? Like, if, if you never found the music that you found, I'm sure there's people you went to school with that don't listen to anything like this shit. They'll go out on a Friday, Saturday night, go dancing, uh you know what i mean like that that like secret club that we're all a part of yeah that's gotten a lot that's gotten a lot bigger since i was 13 but
0: (laughs) yeah um
1: but like this this underground thing that not doesn't necessarily live in the mainstream and doesn't necessarily live on the radio or in tv like it's just something you find and yeah, yeah you end up making your friends that way and you end up you know that's how i got into all this i didn't really care about starting a band I just liked going to shows and being a part of the scene and, and, and having, making friends and that being my social life. I just yeah. kind of stumbled into being a band in, in movie life. Like it's totally, <laughs> I never thought of being in a band until I graduated high school. And then I was like, Oh, I'll, I'll try out for the band. And next yeah. thing you know, it's movie no life. And then <laughs> three, four years later, we're releasing records and a lot of people are buying them and people are coming to shows. And, <laughs> It was crazy the way it happened.
0: Yeah, man, I can imagine it's fucking a bit of a whirlwind to look reflect on the whole time. Um, I did want to ask you about, how did you, yeah, so you speak about it all kind of happening, you know, as an impulse and just to give it a go. How did you get into into singing, doing vocals? Like, you know, and how did, you, how did singing and being a front man be something that consumed you and you wanted to really pursue and give it your all? Okay, so I never really thought about it. Um, I just enjoyed hanging and
1: my friends were in bands. Glassjaw was starting to do their thing. And on Long Island, people were starting to go and see them play. And I would always sing. Like I grew up singing like in like the school choir and things like oh, that. Okay. Yeah. Um, just a bit, like nothing serious. I would, It's just something like my parents made me do, you know. Yeah. Like um, the curriculum stuff. Yeah. Yeah. And I knew I could carry a tune. That was fine. Um Yeah. But we would like drive around, like once we got our driver's licenses, we would drive around, like me and my friends drive around singing along to music. And I knew I could sing a little bit enough. So the whole, I've told this story a few times. I hope you don't uh, (laughs) mind. Uh, it again, it's just, yeah, no, 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 go ahead. So uh, Glassjaw was playing in a basement on Long Island, and they had a song on their first EP. Mm. um that required it had like two vocal parts so sometimes i would sing with daryl because we grew up together yeah and um i would join him and i would sing and so the way it happened was uh i was singing at that show with him for one song and then eddie reyes who started taking back sunday do you, do you um you're f- obviously familiar with them right yeah
0: yeah yeah of course man and, and, yeah and, and the whole him like being in your in the movie life and stuff yeah yeah yeah, Eddie was
1: like, I'm starting this new band. And uh, he was in other bands like that I grew up watching. He's like yeah. uh, the older generation from me and my friends. And then um, he asked me to try out for this new thing he was doing. And I went and tried out. Long story short, like I, I wasn't, he was like, you want to try out for the band? And I was like, I don't really sing. And he's like, no, you sing. You can do it. You can do it. Yeah. So he's probably the reason why I'm talking to you right now.
0: Yeah. It's weird, it's weird when people say like, because I've known like hardcore bands and like punk bands like from England when pe- people say like, I sing a lot, I do vocals. People phrase right. it like very differently, man, when they say like their roles. It's, a, it's interesting um, what, who, who will like differentiate between the two. Yeah,
1: I mean, when I'm, when I'm talking to like my parents' friends or something, they're like, oh, you sing? You know what I mean? And it's yeah. like, yeah, but like, I'm not going to sing you a song right now and it's not <laughs> really what you think. I'm kind of like yelling. <laughs> you know what <laughs> yeah. I mean? It's not like I'm going to sing like, oh, Danny Boy or some shit. Um, yeah,
0: yeah, for sure, man. I always I, feel
1: self-conscious actually when people are like, "Oh, we're gonna do karaoke," and I'm like, "Ugh." Uh, like, yeah, but you sing, and I'm like, "Yeah, but I sing my songs. I don't know how to sing other people's songs."
0: The new Avalanche record is something I also wanted to talk about as well. okay how was recording and writing that? Was that a, a great logistical challenge, or was these songs that were done prior the pandemic um that you attract and everything? How was the pro- making process of that, and in a climate like this?
1: uh okay so in 2019 yeah, myself and mike ireland the guitar player of the avalanche yeah um he and i met like twice a week for the entire year okay in his dining room and we jammed yeah cool um we were scheduled to go into the studio like late january 2020 which Mm -hmm. we did yeah so we recorded the record from late january into like mid march and uh oh, like back God. and forth like we <laughs> we we would take we would take like a week break or whatever so yeah yeah while we were in the studio living in on this lake in new jersey yeah we started hearing about everything you're that was so going lucky on. man you're started, so
0: lucky you just missed it like that
1: i <laughs> will <laughs> tell you like we We, um, we went in for one more session, right? We finished like, maybe say like we finished like March 6th or something. Right. Mm -hmm. And we went back home. It's only like 40, 50 miles away from where we live, but we were staying there. So we didn't have to go back and forth every night. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, we went back for one last session, um, to try and beat a, like there was one song that we wanted to beat, like with another song. So we wrote. On, me and Mike got together and wrote one more song, which happened to be um, the second song on the record. Is like the thing that we wrote like in the last like minute. Okay. And um, we went and recorded uh, the finished the record. Um, we knew the pa- we knew exactly what was going to happen. We knew we had to lock down when we got home. Yeah, man. Um, so I, we finished tracking the record March 15th in New Jersey oh, mate. and, uh, got home and immediately went, I immediately went out to every, my wife was working her ass off cause she works in this massive, like hotel complex in Brooklyn. Okay, And she worked overtime, like Because they had to close everything. They had to close like four bars and restaurants. They had to close a huge hotel. Yeah. All this shit. So when I got home, the cupboards were bare. (laughs) We didn't have toilet paper. We didn't have all the things (laughs) that like everybody was rushing to buy. Yeah, yeah. So I I went back and forth for like two days straight from like March 15th, 16th, 17th with a backpack and like a big Ikea bag and i just <laughs> yeah like i just foraged everything that i yeah. possibly could in brooklyn i got a bunch of pasta got a bunch of rice got a bunch of ve- frozen vegetables yeah fucking um meat for the freezer like yeah, yeah. i stocked this up for two months easy and <laughs> yeah, in the process of going and getting all that shit i got covid
0: <laughs> did you really going- Fucking you No, why, man?
1: Yeah, yeah. So I was going to. I went to like twenty different stores with no mask, no hand sanitizer, no nothing. Because yeah, nobody told us to wear a mask yet. So I gave it to my wife, obviously. So we both got COVID. Yeah, and we both got sick, and we felt like shit for a while. Um, Yeah, but yeah. So that was my whole experience. Like, we finished the record. I got COVID. The rat, who's our drummer and producer he started mixing and that really was something that helped this avalanche record was there for me in so many fucking ways so like in the middle of lockdown when there was nothing to do i would get a new mix from him and i would just sit there and like listen to this record that yeah we knew was special and that we knew we loved and we cared a lot about and so like throughout the first few months of lockdown like we were mixing this record which brought me a lot of joy and got gave me like that serotonin that i needed in yeah. a really depressing time yeah for sure and of course my i was not alone and i was thinking about all the people that were alone you know i had my wife she had me and i could just you know we know a lot of people that live alone and that were totally like you know yeah. fucking lonely and dealing with all that shit and dealing with a weird year. So, um, yeah, so that's the story with the whole avalanche. That's how it came to be. We were really lucky to get it under, to get it in under the wire.
0: Yeah, you really did, man. Wow. Proper under the wire, mate. What was, what was the lyrical and artistic goal on this compared to past avalanche work? Did you, was there a different approach and did you want a different result this time around compared to past efforts?
1: Honestly, like Mikey came to me and was like, we should write an Avalanche record. And I was totally ready to do that. And um, (laughs) basically in the beginning, we were like, let's write fucking Avalanche anthems. Like, let's go fucking crazy. Like, let's write sick anthems. So we did. And then we kind of filled in the spaces so that the whole record wasn't just the same thing. Yeah. You know, we knew where like the big punk like melodic punk anthems were happening and we knew and it was that was a nice blueprint actually for us to follow like we knew what the record needed and where certain songs would fit. We wrote like 20 songs so we had a lot of shit to choose from. Yeah. Um and we made it fit the way that we, you know, the way that we kind of um basically the way we kind of planned it to fit. And um, so like we knew what the first song on the record was going to be when we wrote it. We knew what the last song on the record was going to be when we wrote it. Yeah. Um, As far as lyrically, it's definitely like a direct, I'm speaking to the listener uh, more so than ever. Like I'm actually like addressing the listener and kind of I'm just in their ear, like as a, as a friend, you know? Yep. that's that's the approach that was my approach that was very, that was very not like methodical that just came out that way but oh, really? looking back on yeah. it yeah looking back on it i'm like oh wow i'm like actually speaking to them most almost the entire time you know
0: yeah it's, yeah, it's a very direct message from like oh, yeah from like a third party almost like page standpoint of view why do you think you naturally took that approach or not approach but why did it end up resulting in that way in terms of how the words were presented and what what the message genuinely was
1: music comes first yeah um so i think the nature of the music kind of steered me in that direction um i did i want i didn't i wanted it to be an uplifting record without it being overly saccharine you know yeah um So I wanted it to be uplifting, but not unrealistic, you know? Um, And so I think the music kind of led me there, at least like the real straightforward punk tunes um, called for optimism.
0: Yeah. And it's funny, man, because that optimism came at the ideal time as well, when you think about it, because it it was being said before all of this kicked off and it just happened, you know,
1: Yeah, I mean, you can listen to the record now and think that I wrote it during the pandemic, like I wrote the lyrics.
0: That's what I completely (laughs) thought.
1: Yeah, yeah, like um, no, it was just perfect timing. (laughs) Yeah, it was perfect timing for like I knew that, and we were going to hold on to the record for a while, and then eventually we decided to put it out because we didn't want to waste it. Like, and and I know we didn't waste it, but it would have been a more way more poignant release, like in a sense of like steam behind it. You know what I mean? Not touring when you put out a record is insane. Unless you're the Beatles, like, what are you doing? (laughs) So, you know, this is, we, touring is like what we're all about. Shows are what we're all about. So
0: yeah, yeah, um, Yeah, for
1: real. But there's absolutely no regrets at all. Like we made a very conscious decision, like as we saw the year unfold. And I called a conference call with everybody and was just like, you know, I think we should release it now. Because I knew, like, we had, you know, there was people being like, oh, you, you think Slam Dunk's still going to happen? And I'm like, no. no uh, we, why, man? No. Yeah, we, we were we were talking about, like, you know, we're talking to my agent all the time, our booking agent all the time, be, trying to plan. And once we realized that like shows weren't going to happen until, like, the end of, like, this year, yeah, we were like, we can't wait that fucking long. I told them, I was like, we'll write another record that's, like, We'll write another record and record it in that time. Let's just put this out for the people that need it. We wanted to put it out for our own selves. Like it was a very cathartic kind of experience. Yeah, writing and recording it. So, yep. that's what we're gonna do. Me and Mike are gonna write another Avalanche record, um, and just make you know just do what we're supposed to do. And the, I, it's gonna be exciting to go and play these songs like eventually it's going to feel like an old record, which is fucking awesome. Like yeah, for people to hear, for people that dig the new Avalanche record, for them to have to wait like a year and a half or whatever it is.
0: Long, man. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I feel
1: like it's going to be pretty special when it happens, you know, when we can finally make a set list with like these, all these new songs that people have been living with for a while, you know? Yeah. Uh, It's exciting.
0: Yeah. I can imagine. Um, Do you think it's, A natural evolution of the band's sound because Avalanche records are pretty far apart in terms of release. It's always a a good few years, definitely. How has the the sound evolved from the past record to this one? And what, obviously, because people can change as people and musicians in that space of time. And what, what do you notice each time going from like, you know, 2005 to all these years and years? Like, there's like four records in the past, like 15 years or something i know it's weird uh it's definitely
1: like a strange, strange existence that this band has had um but yeah. i i dig it i like that that's the way it ended up being it's not the way we set out to be it's just the way it went um i think i mean i look back on avalanche's first record i look back on it proudly um i love the vibe on it um that's definitely not like a fast paced anthemic record it's definitely yeah. more of like a medium paced like slightly grungy like pop record i don't really know what it is but it's cool i dig it yeah. um and uh you know that was also the era that you know that was when we came together as a band um which is real really nostalgic about those days yeah um and uh yeah avalanche united was probably six years later um yeah basically the difference between the first record and avalanche united is like i wrote most of the first record on my own avalanche united um avalanche united was more like mike ireland stepped up to the plate and was like this is what i'm bringing to the table and it was it was like it was good tunes it was like some of our bigger tunes are ones that Mike wrote on guitar, and I like when I write over Mike's guitar stuff, we get a different thing. Yeah, and that's okay. kind of like, you know, I don't know if you want to look at Avalanche United. So, so Mikey's songs would be like "Holy Fuck." He wrote those guitars. He wrote "Gratitude." He wrote "Amsterdam." Okay, um, so yeah. that was like the, it was like a whole new flavor that I was so relieved too. I was like, oh, cool! I don't have to write all this shit myself. <laughs> yeah mike mikey was like definitely on one and uh which was great and he's been on one ever since so um even on wolverines mikey was not really in the band at that time because he had gone to open his bars but he still wrote um he like contributed songs to the record even though he wasn't like touring on it and shit you know yeah so he wrote some of the stuff on wolverines and then you know this record like was unique in a way that generally we would bring shit like in the past we would bring shit and and um like here's my song, it's done. <laughs> all right, we'll work on it a little bit, but it's done. Me and Mike sat there with guitars and s- wrote from scratch two days yeah. a week together in the same room, and so that was a new approach also this might be this might be helpful to anyone like looking for a change in, when they're in their songwriting. I said, dude, let's not fucking write on acoustic guitars. I want to write on electric guitars. You know, we didn't have a drummer or anything. We're sitting in his dining room, like at his dinner table, just playing. We had mini amps. Yeah. I just said, let's write this record on electric guitars, like plugged in with distortion. That's the way I want to write this record. So that was another thing that I think affected the outcome.
0: Yeah, man. Is it has it been caught a self? assessive process like learning to edit as well. How do you think you've got better at that and taking stuff from the ground up rather than like you say someone coming into room and saying yeah this is done and you are going yeah all right as the ed- as the editing and assessment process really improved within yourself as well. Oh yeah, I mean I think the uh
1: I think the first time I ever got into a studio with a real producer is when yeah. I started learning about that kind of stuff. Yeah, so we got into the studio with Brian McTurnan who's if you haven't uh he recorded uh this time next year New movie life has a gambling problem and 40 hour train back to penn
0: oh really and so wow. and, okay, yeah.
1: yeah and he recorded like huge thrice records hot water music records yeah, Piebald, yeah. like um circus survive records like check out his uh his discography it's actually insane how many big records he made yeah um the first time we got into a studio with him was for this time next year.
0: Yeah.
1: And, um, I immediately started learning like, you know, when he would suggest things like uh, we were all listening, you know what I mean? Yeah. So the next thing, the next time movie life went to write music, you kind of have him on your shoulder. Like from then on, you're like, well, we're going to get in the studio and he's going to suggest this. Cause like he's rubbed, you know, he's, he's influenced me enough where like, part of his DNA is now going through me and I'm going yeah. to carry that with me, you know? Yeah. So every time like I would work with a producer or work with different musicians in different bands, like I learn, I learn, I learn, I learn. And that's how you end up being able to, uh, efficiently create, um, efficient, yeah. efficiently write m- music that's like efficiently efficiently write good songs. <laughs> <laughs> because you yeah. you you're, you're taking all the this like experience now you know
0: yeah man how was that going cuz you mentioned about joining the movie life as a guy who was like just going to give it a go saying yeah i don't really sing how was it going from that just in a practice room to sitting in the big studio and really taking the songs from more like an educational craftsmanship standpoint
1: it probably took like 3 or 4 years before that happened yeah, maybe 3 years. So Movie Life started in 97. Yep. And we recorded um oh, maybe 2 years. Um I don't know. I guess I was I guess after I know I it seems like I was, you know, nonchalant about like, ah, oh, I don't care about bands. As soon as I started doing it, I cared a lot about it and I started to think I could be good at it. And so yeah, the confidence started to grow. Um but yeah, I guess you could say Going into this time next year and recording like writing and recording this time next year, like with movie life, with the movie life, it's once we recorded that and we turned it in to this to the label, we yeah. were just like, um, oh yeah, this is this is good. Like there's good shit on here. Like there's songs that are gonna resonate with people. Like we could tell that we definitely jumped because it's go time was cool and stuff, but like we jumped a huge level between it's go time, and this time next year, as far as like knowing what we were doing.
0: Do you think it really shows in the music as well when you reflect on it? Like, you, you, you can hear you because you know what happened was happening in your mind. Do, yeah. do you listen back and are you transported to those like mental shifts and the evolution of like you as a musician as well? Yeah, I can think back to like specific lyrics
1: and lines that I would write. Um, and where I was when I wrote them and, and where I would get a little tingle from it and be like, oh, yeah, this is good. You know what I mean? Yep. And it wouldn't always happen, but I'd just be like, oh, this is going to be a good song. I can't wait to go to practice and show the band like that. I know what I'm doing now, finally. <laughs> <You know laughs> <what I
0: mean? laughs> yeah. Yeah. Because um, how was it when you did the solo material? Because uh, I was listening to like, Live at the Black Hall that you did in London. I thought it was like Mm -hmm. really sick, man. Um, How was um, how was it doing the whole solo thing, like putting out solo like work and touring solo? Was it like a difficult transition to make, and or was it like a really positive one for you to do? And was it uh, was it was it quite scary at first, not having everyone around you and going it alone?
1: Totally scary. Yeah, Um, I. I never really play guitar in front of anyone. Like I would, you know what I yeah, mean? Like I'll, I play yeah. guitar in avalanche and shit sometimes, but in the early days on stage, but like being completely exposed, like holding an acoustic guitar, is crazy. Like it took me a long time to get used to. Yeah. Um, I learned that I had to get better at guitar. Um, I really had to like improve everything and I need to figure out to do it and what my solo music was gonna sound like um yeah and um and you know i always play avalanche and movie life tunes at solo shows too but like even how to make those sound good just on an acoustic guitar yeah
0: um, yeah yeah for sure because that's completely reinventing them like you can hear it on on the especially the live record um it's giving those songs a new lease of life that still it's like the same people who'd be showing up but you're playing it differently Yeah. Yeah. And it's,
1: you know, I think that's important to do. Um, It took a really long time before I was comfortable with it, but I knew I really liked it. Uh, When, as soon as I started, as soon as I played my first solo show, I knew I enjoyed it. And I knew I could, if I worked hard enough that I could get more confidence with that and be good at that too. Um, But that took years. (laughs) That took years yeah i'm not like uh, i'm not like known for my guitar playing so i'm not i'm like i just want to i just want to be solid enough with guitar where you know um yeah so i played a lot more i played a lot of guitar once so, the solo things started happening you know after i started playing solo shows i don't even know what the timing is there but like i probably didn't release a solo record for like I played solo shows but I would just play movie life and avalanche songs. Yeah. Yeah. And then eventually <laughs> I think it took me a little while. I mean, I was obviously I was still busy with like, yeah. Um, avalanche United was coming around ra- out around the same time that that was all going on. Yep. Um, so we were touring a lot with that. So um, yeah, I'd say maybe 2013, I think city by the sea came out. So yeah. Um, probably like, oh shit maybe like damn at least five years before i released solo material i think yeah was that From something you had i to- played my first show
0: yeah was that something you had to build yourself up to um because obviously there's step by step there's like playing songs that already exist then like getting confident the guitar to do it to a certain standard then it's like was it was it a real like ladder climbing experience for you
1: it was, there was a little, I'm forgetting one major thing. So there was a little pause. I mean, I, I, I didn't start earlier because we were all working in the city. Yeah. We had toured so much that we kind of burnt out a little bit yeah, yeah, and we all got jobs and stuff and we were all making money feeling like we weren't making money with the band. So when we were home making money in the city, we were just like, ah, oh, this is cool. So that got in the way a little bit. I snapped out of that, but um, yeah, I think that, accounts for a few years of like not a whole lot of output of new music, including solo stuff. Um, so that was that time. And, 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 um, Avalanche United coming out in 2011 was the beginning of like the next chapter of my life where I made sure that like with Avalanche United and everything I've done since, which I don't even know how many things I've released a lot, it's been like a mission statement for me. Like, don't let that happen again. Like, don't get into this rut where your creativity, um, suffers, you know Mm -hmm. what I mean? Mm -hmm. So, um, that's been the, the output from 2011, um, till now is a direct result of like me kind of waking up and being like, what the fuck am I doing? Like, I need, I need music, you know?
0: Yeah, because I guess it could have been very easy, man, to like say, "Yo, I did. I was in my twenties doing this, and now like that's wound down." Because I think some people would do that, but it was, like you said, it's that connection being part of that that club that you that you still feel attached to that was like still burning inside.
1: Yeah, I won't be happy. Um, I won't be a happy person if I can't um, write, write, record, and perform music. So I won't be happy. So. Anything that happens from now until I die is I'm, whatever I do with my life. I'm always going to also do yeah, music yeah. and write it and record it, perform it. Uh, it doesn't need to be like on some rock star levels. It just needs to be like fulfilling for
0: me and oh, my,
1: my soul. You know,
0: there's no such thing as rock stars anyway, man. There's people who just play music, and then like some people are dickheads and some people are cool. <laughs> I guess it's uh, right. Yeah, how how have you noticed the industry like change over time then, and how do you think it will continue to change? Because obviously you've seen it for the past like twenty five years more or less, and been involved step by step and gone from like you know seen it on every level really. How what no changes have you noticed that were major shifts, and how do you think it will continue to change for better or worse?
1: I mean, I think I think the most major thing is the fact that people don't buy records anymore. Yeah. Um. So the industry Like, you know, I'm not really in the record industry. I'm in the touring industry. You know what I mean? Like, I release records and stuff. But, like, the fact that people don't buy music is the reason you see, like, you know, a lot of the bigger artists and people, a lot of people didn't need to tour that much. And now you're seeing them tour a lot because it's the bread and butter. Like, nobody's making money off of record sales. Yep. So like, I think that's the biggest thing is that touring and why this year aside, I mean, obviously for many reasons outside of music and just in general has been catastrophic, but um, musicians, you know, get paid very little money for your Spotify plays. You know what I mean? Like really little money. Like, (laughs) Yeah. I don't even know between all my bands and all my songs that are on streaming services. I don't even know. Maybe there's a few million streams Uh, to compute that into money. Like it doesn't compute at all. Like bands need to go and play shows. Artists need to go and play shows. Um, And now we can't. And now, you know, people are getting creative, which is cool. And the live stream thing is cool too, because it's all we have, but it's not what any of us really signed up for. You know, it's not why we got into music and live music and shit, but I'm grateful as health. It's been my job for almost the last year is performing online and I'm grateful for it. And it's been there for me. And I know some of the people tuning in, it's like a happy place for them to go. Yeah. Um But yeah, all of us, all of us artists and musicians are just kind of like, you know, we're missing a limb at the moment, if that's what it feels like.
0: Yeah, I can imagine, man.
1: Um, Yeah, I was going to ask. At least the ones that want to tour and at least the ones that like touring or the ones that depend on touring to make a living.
0: Yeah, yeah, true. Especially like the sub genres, you know, you're involved with and everything. So I was going to ask mm-hmm. how's the how's the live streams been going? Um, obviously, very well by what you've just said. And do you enjoy it? Do you see live streams being a future thing? Is it weird with no audience being there as well?
1: Um, it took some getting used to, but um, yeah, I re- I do enjoy it. Um, I would say over the past year, I think if I played a solo show like. I, I would have like maybe twenty, twenty-five songs to choose from. Like if yeah. I played a solo like ones that I knew and that was that were rehearsed and that I you know, some songs you can't I can't sing and play guitar at the same time. They're just not written that way. Yeah. I would say in the past year I've probably at least doubled that as far as next time I go, this has been like an exercise for me too. I enjoy yeah, it and yeah. I've been making, you know. I'm not, like, rolling in dough, like, rolling in cash right now. But, like, to stay afloat during this kind of fucked up situation, like, is hard enough. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. So, like, the fact that I've been able to make some money at the same time being a part of something with the people that tune in. A lot of the people that tune in, um, tune in, like, for every show. And... um Yeah to be there for each other, um, and to have that experience, even though it's different than, you know, what we're used to, um, has been really special. And it's been a cool exercise for me. Like I was saying, like when I go back on tour, like a solo tour, I'll probably have a list of like 50 songs to choose from when, because I've just been sta- I've been making sure I change what I'm doing. I can't play the same yeah. shit every week. Yeah,
0: Of course you have to add like a huge amount of variety every time, man. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So I've learned like 25, 30 songs like that I've never really thought about playing at shows now. So I'm stoked to get back onto this, onto like playing solo shows. I imagine solo shows are going to be the ones that maybe happen a little more often as things open because it's more of like a, I don't know, people aren't like diving all over each other and shit at a solo show.
0: Yeah, it's like um, relaxed. I guess you can even do that seated if people wanted it kind of thing. It offers a few more relaxed approaches.
1: Right. And, you know, we'll get back to what we're all used to, I hope. And uh, But, yeah, it's been totally catastrophic. And uh, <laughs> I'm just trying to make lemonade out of the situation, you know?
0: Yeah, man. For sure. Do you see any more avenues opening up in the future? Like, for example, live streams where people can make income that aren't, the traditional way through like labor law management kind of, or doing the whole like record touring thing. Do you think this will allow people to have some more, you know, new initiative for better or worse in the whole, you know, income standpoint?
1: I think it's taught people to be like, you know, I think we all have survival mode and we know what we need to do and we know what we want to do. Yeah. But, um, I think if shows get back to normal, um, I think the demand for live streams is going to plummet and we all understand why. Um, But you know, there's also certain parts of the earth that I don't get around to getting to. Um, So I think I'll always do them. I, you know, before the pandemic began, like I started doing this kind of stuff, like, I don't even know, five, six years ago. Yeah. Like the, the, the platform called stage it. I was like one of the first people to ever play a show on it. This was a long time ago. So when it came time to do when we heard this was coming, I planned shows for like March 19th and like March 21st. I called my manager. I was like, let's do stage it. I know how to do it. We've already done it. We did it five years ago, you know? So um, I just knew that it was going to be a dark time and that some people were going to want to hang out and, and hear some songs that they love. And maybe that will be offer some comfort. And it certainly offered comfort for me. It made me feel, normal for an hour you know
0: yeah adds a, a nice bit of distraction man for sure mm-hmm. yeah I'm, uh, i'll am i wrap it up there vinnie mate thank you very much for taking the time to talk to me man
1: yeah man no problem thanks for your uh patience in scheduling this
0: oh uh, no problem at all man thank you for uh taking the time and out, out of your day and everything i thoroughly enjoyed it mate appreciate your time
1: i'm gonna go dive
0: in the ocean right now yeah do it mate i think i'll have <laughs> <laughs> I bet you Lu. St- yeah, I'll have another Stella. I reckon I bet you Lu.
1: Maybe I'll have a beer. Yeah, maybe I'll have yeah. a beer.
0: It's about time.
1: You know, it's uh Go on. What time is it? Maybe six o'clock, six fifteen. It's time for a beer.
0: Yeah. for I reckon my I bet you love saying that every time you hang up a phone now. I'm gonna go like jump in the ocean.
1: It's not something I'll be able to say a week from now, so I'm going to enjoy it as much as I can uh, while, while, yeah, we're going back to New York in like a week, so I'm going to soak it
0: up. Yeah, do it, man. I wish you safe travels, positive thinking, and, uh, yeah, take care of yourself, mate.
1: Thanks, you too. Good to talk to you.
0: Yes, mate, likewise. Take care, man. All the best.
1: Later.